Aloha, tech and business fans. Chris Hobbs here, president of TTT Studios, where we make the software magic come to life. Welcome to episode five of the Afternoon Tea Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders in the tech industry about their journeys towards success. Our guest today is Carrie Gibson, president of EcoCentury Technologies. Carrie thrives in both the public and private worlds to improve outcomes for everyone, whether that's through her work as the president of a municipal party or through her guidance on the Diversity Advisory Committee with the Canadian Armed Forces or the many boards she serves on, all with an amazing positive energy. So let's chat with Carrie. But first, if you like what you hear and there is no reason why you shouldn't, please don't forget to rate and review us. Heck, I think you should even subscribe. But now, let's listen together. So today on Afternoon Tea, I am so excited uh, to have Carrie Gibson uh, join us. Let me just set this up, if you will, Carrie. Um, Carrie Gibson is the president of EcoCentury Technologies, an engineering and consulting firm promoting clean technologies. She's also the VP of Strategic Relationships with Ziffy Care and co-founder and partnerships manager with NEAT, that's N-E-A-T, uh, Nutrition Through Engagement and Agricultural Technologies under SFU's Faculty of the Environment. Carrie serves on the board of directors of many foundations and organizations, along with serving on the Diversity Advisory Committee for the Joint Task Force of the Canadian Armed Forces. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, is an honorary governor of the Vancouver Foundation, serves on the board of Rose Academies, and is the president of the municipal party Yes of Vancouver. She currently is focused on several collaborations that address the SDGs, What's the SDGs? Sustainable Development Goals. Thank you. Sustainable Development Goals, both locally and globally, using innovative solutions, applying a business lens to causation. Kerry speaks on platforms internationally, including the UN and the House of Commons, addressing economic development, clean tech innovation, diversity and inclusion, and labor rights, and has represented the private sector's role in civil society at the UN. She was named the UN Women's Planet 5050 Champion, a goodwill a global goodwill ambassador and has received the Times of Canada Award for Excellence in Innovation, a Shatki Award, and the Honor Award by the Iranian and Kurdish Women's Rights Organization. That was a long description, but really, really, really something I respect a lot and excited to do. Welcome, Carrie. I have the most ludicrous footer for my emails ever, don't I? I, I had noticed it does take up a lot of space, but do you know what? These are things to be proud of and something that should take up space. So I completely understand that. But let's Let's just jump right in here, because I would like to hear about Ziffy Care, if you will. Oh, I'd love to talk about Ziffy Care. Uh, I, I was actually um, working my project with Simon Fraser University, and I was really intrigued about uh, how we can enable um, nutrition and well-being in remote and indigenous communities, but then how do we measure outcomes when there isn't, um, you know, a, a comprehensive healthcare system in these in in these regions? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I went to my friends in New York, um, you know, that are associated with the United Nations, and they introduced me to ZippyCare, and uh, it's it was such uh, a fulsome solution to provide remote diagnostic healthcare. Uh, to 
well, anyone really, um, and especially during COVID, it's so essential um, to to be able to have that access without going into clinics or hospitals and and risking further exposure, and especially doing outreach with senior citizens and um, persons of disability who might not, you might live in urban areas, but just might not have that access as well. Oh, fantastic! A wonderful, wonderful goal in business. I got to say, I love, I love, I love that. Well, tell me, what would your day to day role with Sifi Care be? Uh, basically, um, we're working on uh, uh, several layers of, of the um, of the company. Of course, expanding across uh, the U.S. Um, as well as our uh, operational program. In we actually run a service in New York, um, providing um, outreach and clinical care in people's homes and offices uh, in in uh, New York City. Uh, however, of course, we want to bring it to Canada, mm-hmm. and so that is my primary role: is setting up partnerships with. In Canada and relationships, and and even during COVID, when we noticed that um, there were troubling statistics for domestic violence, mm-hmm. uh, intimate par- partner violence, um, the stats went up four hundred percent, and we thought we could do something with the company. We're going into people's homes um, to to deliver a healthcare service, and so we actually partnered with the New York Mayor's Office, um, their NGBV unit, mm-hmm. uh, to train our entire staff on the um on how to detect and appropriately respond to um signs of uh domestic abuse, senior, um, you know, seniors uh, abuse, uh, child abuse, trafficking, you know, all, all of these things that our service might be um, uh, might be required by these uh, these communities um, as a way to avoid detection in hospitals and clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to be party to, you know, such offenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as, of course, you know, it also protects our our own uh, staff mm-hmm. um, when you're going into high risk situations. You know, that's one thing that's touched me. I mean, I've been very lucky. This COVID situation has been a challenge, obviously, for for many people. But I could just imagine. I mean, I've I've been lucky in the sense of it's actually been great for my family. And I hate to say it's been great, but it really has. I mean, we're doing things extensively together a lot more than I think we would before. I mean, it has a lot to do, I think, you know, both kids in hockey has been taking, takes up a lot of time in driving. Um, but I find that we do things a lot more, but I do reflect, and I, I talk to my wife about this a lot, about the unfortunate situation of those who probably have tried relationships um, and now there's, you know, or at least we're hopefully a little less more so, but, you know, really stuck in a small environment together. And how do you... How do you reach out to these people? How do you how do you make sure that they're heard and you know so that there isn't any li- limited violence, limited challenges, all of these things? And, and it's actually one of those things I'm excited that school's going to be starting soon because I think the kids need to get their voice out. Um, so any, I, I really applaud you know what 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 you what you're doing and uh, you know working with uh, I guess Mayor Como's uh, office. Um, you know I think he's been doing some really amazing things. Um, so. Uh, well, I cheers that. Well, so so basically, has with with COVID, has the adoption of your programs really been been p- picking up, or is oh, it- absolutely, the interest in um, in such healthcare uh, delivery has escalated, and in fact, the physicians groups that I've spoken to locally, many you know have admitted that they had no interest in telehealth whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, you know, prior to COVID. You know, it, it there, there's a lot of issues 
um, that that might possibly come up with when you're just delivering healthcare through a video. And um, we're able to provide that data live streamed to the physician. Um, and the physician can be in their home office and the OCC, the on-site care co co coordinator, is the one um, who basically is the hands of the doctor using these tools that are built into this hardware um, to, you know, treat the patient. And so it's being more comprehensive. It also, you know, uh, provides a lot more reassurance on both ends. It provides a tracking system as well as, um, you know, it, it it prevents a lot of legalities. Sure, sure. Well, that's, I mean, again, it's something that I think is quite interesting. I mean, the one thing that the pandemic, again, I, I don't want to say everything's negative in the situation. Obviously, health health is a, is a concern and everything. But I think there's been expediting a lot of change in society. And I, I'd say a lot of positive change. Um, so I could see where, you know, especially in the healthcare uh, approach, um, you know, being able to expand the current, you know, no one does house calls anymore, but now all of a sudden we're doing house calls. And, and these wonderful things have come out of it. And I, and I think there's a lot of opportunity just for, for huge expanse. So I, I really applaud you on that. Well, how have you personally been dealing with the pandemic? And any uh, any lessons we can learn from this? Uh, well, I had to cancel all my travel, oh. of course. Um, so it was, it's was it been interesting converting absolutely every personal engagement to um, an online engagement. Mm -hmm. And and I. I'm a bit of an extroverted person mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I prefer dealing with, with people face to face and especially for business, mm -hmm. it's I'm old fashioned that way. So it, it's been a bit of, of a change, um, you know, doing 16 hour days in front of my computer. Um, I feel like I'm talking to myself sometimes, <laughs> but it's it, it's been OK. I, you know, um, I, I've been basically keeping to myself so that I can see my parents who are a little bit older. Um, completely healthy and incredibly active, but still a little bit older and a little bit high risk. So I, you know, we do family dinners every Sunday for the, the worst of the, the COVID um, when the numbers were quite high, which I might have to start doing again. Um, you know, I do their grocery shopping and take it out and so that they wouldn't have to uh, put themselves in, in high risk situations. That's, that's wonderful. I was actually visiting my parents for the first time in five months because they live in Salt Spring and it's like the entire island seemed to be a little bit isolated and understandably so. But well, speaking of the parents, because you did, I, I heard something really interesting, which was that uh, um, you had uh, in your family a club. Is it a club? I guess you'd say a, a dance hall, a dance hall yeah. back in in London, was it or in England? Yes, in England. And and well, tell tell me about this. Set this up. I want to hear more. My my dad's from England. My mom's from New Zealand. Um, both sides of the family were very into music um, in in many different levels. Um, in fact, I have many uncles that were invi involved with the pirate uh, radio. Really? Uh, yeah, back in the day. Wow. Um, and uh, on my dad's side, um, there is well. There were a few, but there was one called uh, the Starlight Ballroom, which um, actually there was a. Um, a petition set up not too long ago um, that wanted to um, have it listed as a heritage site mm -hmm. because um, the heritage ballroom, or sorry, the Starlight Ballroom, um, hosted so many amazing acts from you know what was it the you know fifties, sixties, um, it was seventies, and and it was incredible. So I mean, Tina Turner went through there, you know, Pink Floyd, The Who. Um, 
you know, these these people who uh, back then, of course, they got paid in beer <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were up and comers and whatnot, as well as um, my dad uh, worked at Eel Pie Island, which, um, you know, what was it was a little um, party town on the Thames and uh, uh, where it, it was uh, Katie Lang and um, Rod Stewart backing up Long John Baldry, which kind of brings wow. it home to Vancouver because yeah. then Long John, of course, <laughs> ended up playing at the Yale Saloon and living upstairs, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there was some interesting history there. It was an entirely, you know, family-run business. My, you know, my grandma and my granddad and uncles and aunts and cousins and everybody participated. That would be so much fun. That would be so much fun. And you know what? I can see in the spirit of you about, about New Zealand. We talked a little bit about, you know, the living in New Zealand you're talking about too. And I just just a quick, quick little, you know, appreciation for all things New Zealand because I was really really blessed about a year and a half ago to uh, to do a family uh, vacation there for spring break and we actually took off on the plane and we had wi-fi and that's when the Christchurch massacre happened and we we heard about it as we're taking off and so we were thinking my gosh what's it going to be like like maybe we should return we don't want to be a burden you know obviously this is some extreme um just an awful situation that they have to deal with and when I say they have to deal with, I want to say that New Zealanders, first off, who are the closest to Canadians I have ever witnessed, and I mean that in a, in a way of love, but I have never seen a people or group deal with tragedy in more way of pure love. And I can see this in your soul in the sense of, I, uh, you know, you would find flowers everywhere. And all in every, as we were just driving through towns and we would find flowers where it says, we are all Kiwis. And the, the thing that blew me away, though, is one of the last days as we were about to leave, which was the two-week anniversary, all women wore headscarves. And it was to show a sign of respect for, for all those massacred, but to show love for the community, saying that, you know what? Muslims are part of the Kiwi experience. And to see the sheer numbers of people that were doing this, it just, it blew me away and it made my heart really proud for all things Kiwi at that point. So did you live there yourself? My mom is from New Zealand and, uh, you know, we used to spend months on end, um, you know, you know, each year living mm -hmm. there. And it was so phenomenal spending that quality time with my cousins and my gamma and my aunties and uncles and whatnot. And, you know, um, my mom grew up on a dairy farm in northern New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I just have all these wonderful memories of, you know, traveling all over the country and visiting all my relatives. And um, I love the geothermal activity oh, yeah. and the people and the culture. And, and you're very right. It's very similar to BC in many ways, you know, culturally, um, you know, with a diversity, even even um, environmentally. Um, one of my cousins who I'm incredibly proud of is an enormous environmental activist. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, she and her husband and her three kids actually sold one of their houses and and built uh, this, this like bio bus and <laughs> lived on it, traveled around from school to school in like New Zealand and Australia for Amazing. years, mm -hmm. educating kids on, you know, how to be a better human for your, your greater, you know, world, right? I just want to touch on one other Kiwi story, actually because honestly, again, it's a beautiful humanity, is I was in, oh, I can't even remember what it was, Rotorua or Rotonga or whatever, wherever it is, Rotorua, I knew I said that wrong. And there was, um, you know, which is kind of like, I don't know, I, I don't want to cheapen it, but it's kind of like the Kelowna of, of, of New Zealand, you know, a lot of outdoor sports and all that. And there were two people, one who was indigenous, Maori, and one who wasn't. And they were both, the, 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 the Caucasian, okay, New Zealander, started stating that uh, he's a Maori, like, he he referred to the Maori or the indigenous as our, as, as a New Zealand thing. And 
I don't know if we're comfortable doing that here. And I asked the Maori fellow, like, is that something, you know, you're comfortable with? And he's like, oh, we're all New Zealanders, which again was a theme that came throughout. And I just love that because I'm not sure I feel comfortable as much as I love. I mean, I grew up in Tawasan next to the, the Tawasan, um, you know, indigenous area and lots of friends through that. But I don't know if I could ever claim that. And it was so nice to see, I don't want to call it, you know, restitution or whatever. There was just an understanding together that I think is so necessary as a community going forward. So I really, really love that. Absolutely. And and I'm really enjoying the Maori engagement with mm. our First Nations communities here locally. There's a, a lot of interchange of ideas. And and as a leader, uh, Jacinda Arden, um, you know, and before her, Helen Clark, mm. um, have been amazing, you know, and female leaders um, and, and have, and after Christchurch, of course, mm. she just showed the world, um, you know, what was it, uh, her strength and and, and how resilient uh, New Zealand is, you know, it's it's a they are so proud of their country, and uh, I'm proud to have that as part of my heritage. I'm, je- I'm jealous of it. I mean, you're right. She showed compassion, and I don't think enough leaders really show compassion. And I want her to be the United Nations president. Is, is it the president of the United Nations? You, you know what I mean? Because I think Secretary General. Thank you. Because. I think she'd do so much right. <laughs> Actually, Helen Clark um, was was very close to mm. becoming uh, Secretary General mm. of the United Nations. Um, what was it? And Antonio, of course, won uh, the last uh, last round. And I'm not sure if Helen's up to it again. But definitely, I I would love Jacinda Ardern to take a go at it. It, w- it would be amazing. Well. Let, let's touch on this then, and I'm going to read a little bit because Pauline, the, the wonderful wonderful producer uh, and marketing manager, should make sure I do things properly, and I'm not very good at reading things, so I'm going to read this right. So, as a huge advocate, and we already talked a little about this, but let's focus on it more. As a huge advocate and an amazing role model for women, what do you see as the major challenges in recent years, 2019-2020, for women in business or tech? There's been a lot of opportunity uh, in recent years for women in tech. It's not like... Um, you know, 10 years ago where, you know, there was me and maybe a, a couple other women in the in the same rooms as, as, the, as the guys, right? Um, there are uh, funding opportunities that were never there before. There are, um, more, there are people more open to collaboration and it's no longer the old boys club. So it's, you know, there, there's a, it's still, it's so wonderful to see that evolution. I mean, I, I think in some ways um, our, our culture um, needs to shift still um, just to have that greater acceptance and you know because because women are always having to prove themselves and measure up and you know uh, not be labeled as you know bossy or hysterical or whatever it might be when when really they're just being assertive and passionate having that shift um, even even further um, but I I think we have come so far before COVID happened we, we used to host a lot of meetups and Typically, over the last well, many long years, short of if it's a design meetup or you know that sort of thing, you know we didn't have much representation. And I got to say, just before the um, we had to close up our meeting space for it, we had a AI uh, meetup, and it was like sixty percent women, and it was amazing to to have that. And it was like we'll keep that push going, and and then we got locked all indoors. But um, but I really hope to keep pushing that because. Um, I, I want more representation, obviously. I mean, we all do. Well, t- tell us then, can you share some of the obstacles that maybe you've personally uh, faced, um, you know, where, to where you've gotten now? I kind of had a bit of a double whammy. Of course, I'm a woman and I'm disabled. So, um, for instance, there, there, 
are certain people who maybe have not been exposed to someone who might be in a wheelchair before and uh, think that the wheelchair goes uh, with, you know, like a, like a physical incapability goes with um, an intellectual incapability. So sometimes, you know, I, I go into these things and people are speaking slowly to me or speaking loudly to me and I'm like, I'm right here and I'm not <laughs> deaf and I'm, <laughs> you know, I understand what you're saying. So, so there have been some challenges there. There's even um, kind of this psychological issue of me being lower down in a room. You know, you go into receptions and whatnot and, you know, you're chatting and meeting with people and things like that. And there's this um, natural uh, power dynamic that happens, you know. I, I mean, that's why, um, you know, the, the old school guys love to have the big desks that were elevated so that they'd be higher up to their subordinates and whatnot. And then that, that was a deliberate choice, mm-hmm. you know, because it, um, it portrays power and strength and, and dominance and success and all these things. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had to kind of work again, you know, against those, uh, um, those obstacles and, you know, so that I'm not, you know, chatting to somebody's belt buckle. <laughs> well, 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 can I, can I say your spirit is taller than anyone I've ever met? Does, does, does that work? Cause I, it's, it's, it's a fact. I remember actually, I think you met my brother before me yeah. and he mentioned to me that when, when he met you, that it's just the most cheery person that you have to meet amazing energy. So I'm really glad that we, we are able to chat and kind of share your story. Well, I actually met your brother at uh, science world, mm-hmm. um, BC tech event. Event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's here we are, full circle. <laughs> I love those BC Tech Summit uh, events. I'm missing I'm missing them right now. And Jill Tipping, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she's doing amazing things. Yeah. And, you know, for, for women in tech and, mm-hmm. and her just being in the role that she is, you know, it just is a sign to young women like everywhere across BC that they can be there, too. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you gave a, sh- a shout out to Jill because I would love to have her on the show. And it is something we've considered. She's an, an amazing woman and um, she's actually on. Um, the um, Diversity and Inclusion uh, Committee for the Joint Task Force that, that I am on, on as well. Is that the military one? Yes. I'm a big military fan. I'm, one of my biggest regrets in life, and I tell people all the time, is that I didn't join up. And I actually tell my kids that they should, if they're not going to university, this is the first decision I think they should make right after university because I think it, um, A, it's good for the community. I, I think we do in Canada, we do a lot of good things. B, it's not like, okay, my wife's Korean, it's not like the Korean military. I've seen what comes out of that. This is a lot more, prof- I don't want to say I, I'm, the Korean one's unprofessional, but it's a bit more of a meat grinder than what I've witnessed in the Canadian one. And I'm very keen to support um, all things military. Um, and when I read it, I thought it was Joint Task Force 2, which I, I'm not sure if you're aware of the, uh, the JTF2, which is kind of like the Green Berets of Canada. What got you into into this? I've been affiliated with uh, uh, different aspects, I suppose, of the the military and the Department of National Defense for many years um, on, on just little bits and pieces. And of course, you know, my, my granddad was a D-Day vet. Um, mm. My great uncle was as well. Uh, granddad was with the British Army. Um, what was it? Uh, my great uncle was with the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would hear stories about how Uncle Ron um, you know, it was it was was shelling the beach in the hopes that my granddad would actually reach that beach. You know, unfortunately, both of them survived, and you know, and fortunately, both uh, physically and emotionally intact. And but he, you know, granddad told me a lot of stories about um, what his peers suffered through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a great community advocate himself. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, his buddies from his neighborhood in Wembley, um, you know, didn't come back in one piece. You know, and. 
Um, you know, he really took on kind of a very uh, father figure role for a lot of, you know, boys and girls in, the, in that neighborhood who might not have, you know, their, their parent didn't come back quite as expected, right? And, um, you know, and I'm very proud of him for, for that work. And, um, and, and then so there was kind of just, you know, when I was asked to do certain things to support, um, you know, veterans, for instance, um, you know, I, I naturally had to say yes. You know, it's, we, we often hear these stories about how veterans are left behind, um, how um, resources and systems are lacking and need to be improved. And um, I, I just wanted to be there in whatever capacity I could. So, you know, I, I, I did some uh, work with the, uh, with the Legion. Um, what was it? Uh, and then um, later on, I, I spoke at the House of Commons on how we should um, uh, ensure that uh, military veterans um, can retire out of service and and have a smooth transition um, into the civilian sector um, and why not go into public you know the public sector mm -hmm. right and and in my opinion the military is the public sector yes, so you know so how can I help those those gaps and those failings and whatnot and um, of course the uh, the Canadian military uh, we have to differentiate it from from other militaries because we do so much um, peacekeeping, outreach. Um, we have an we have amazing indigenous programs uh, that uh, provide really cool opportunities for indigenous youth um, that actually pay them to participate. This is the ranger program, I assume. Yeah, yeah. There's well, there's that, and there's um, you know, there's there's a few of these different programs. I sorry, I can't remember the names of them mm -hmm. offhand um, for each region, but they. Uh, they basically have these camps that uh, that kids can go to, um, depending on their age. Uh, what was it? There's there's different opportunities, um, but basically they can go. There's elders programs, so you know if if they have been subjected to. Um, the lack of education um, because of, you know, whitewashing and, and the historical, um, uh, you know, colonialism and all that kind of things. Uh, what was it? Uh, there's elders programs so that they can basically catch up on their own culture. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's not, and, and, but getting a taste of what military life might be and the opportunities that it might hold for them, especially educational opportunities. Um, because, you, you know, you can come out of the military with amazing skills and degrees and, um, you know, what was it, and have a future? No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I keep telling my son, he's big, the big hockey player, you know, that it's a good opportunity if you don't want to do school, is, you know, but, you know, Korean mom, pardon me for being a little racist on this, but she really focuses on the education side. I think it's part of the culture. Um, it's definitely part of the culture, um, you know, but maybe it's not for everyone. And I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that can come out of that. And uh, But my, the funny thing is my daughter, she is so gung-ho. She's like, yeah, I'm in. You know, it's it's what she wants to do. Uh, we'll we'll see if we'll see if that's uh, just to to to, to pull, it, pull at dad's heart here. But uh, I know some amazing women in the military. I can introduce her to if uh, she's so inclined. I have this one friend who I'm so proud of, um, who got like a double masters at MIT and is now in charge of like the um, the maintenance of the frigates and submarines. Wow. And you know, I mean, what a cool job! And you know that that this young woman has, and what opportunities like lay like lie ahead of you know for her and um, but I mean the, the big thing for um, this uh, diversity committee is that we want uh, the military and its policies and its um, 
it, it's it's culture to reflect the community you know it serves as it should as it should absolutely and so you need women and and you know uh persons of, of different backgrounds and and abilities and whatnot in order to flush that out and into wow. what it needs to be well that's wonderful i mean i think that what you described is what makes the best of canada and i think you know in the military we have uh, representation from the best so why not you know let's uh let's just let's get everyone everyone in that they can you know put their heart and mind into it and create good things for each other exactly and not only that is what I really appreciate about the Canadian military is that they're we're, like willing to be transparent. Mm-hmm. So when there are issues, you know, there there were some issues, for instance, about um, uh, discovering that there were uh, members uh, that were participating in like online hate groups mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, racist, racist activities. And they stripped that bear, mm-hmm. you know, um, they acknowledged that this was happening they did an investigation to determine how uh, rampant it was and and they put then they put like policy comprehensive policy in place um so that um hopefully <laughs> this will deter this you know this happening and hopefully it's you know when you have that many people in an organization of course you're going to get people of, of different opinions um, but hopefully you can educate people and enlighten them to understand that, you know, Canada is about all of us and diversity, just like New Zealand embraces. For sure, for sure. Well, I mean, the first step is just even acknowledging it exists. And and then, you know, I'm glad that they do have policies. Well, speaking of policies, everyone says don't talk politics. But uh, tell me, how did you get involved with Yes Vancouver? And is it Yes Vancouver or just yes? I mean, we got we got we got three capital letters here, so it's got to be something. <laughs> it's very emphatically yes. Fair enough. Tell me about yes, please. Well, we were, um, you know, a group of my friends and, and colleagues. We were all a bit uh, disturbed at some of the political issues that were happening and the dirty politics and the manipulations and behind the scenes and things like that, especially during campaigns. And um, we didn't want to play that way. And so we started our own party. So what was what was the main uh, platform of this party? Then? Housing, actually. And that's a good thing. We need we need this disgust in Vancouver. Um, is this just for Vancouver? It's, it's, it's municipal? This is a municipal party, yes. And so we had our uh, first, you know, um, campaign, what was it, uh, at the last municipal, during the last municipal election. We pulled together in just a couple of months prior to the uh, prior to the election. Okay. So it was really bootstrapped, but it was done by, you know, a group of incredibly passionate people that just wanted to see change and, and see positive politicking. So, that. yeah. And, and of course, um, we wanted to talk about like the, the issues and actually do something about it. So we actually created a like 46 page um, housing proposal, you know, it was it uh, uh, to uh, to present and we we had diversity and inclusion policy and and all these bits and pieces that we wanted to see reflected in politics wonderful i mean so we're talking we're talking on the municipal level uh, is 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 carrie looking for larger do you have larger ambitions here i think i'm a behind the scenes kind of girl i think that you're you're right in the center and uh, and and doing a good job doing so so um i'm reading this one again okay i'm being blunt here okay i saw in a recent interview that you advise to young men and women doesn't, or that your advice, pardon me, to a young men and women doesn't change based on gender. What advice would you give young people who are looking to become a leader? <laughs> Do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's that's basically what it comes down to. Is is it sounds so cliche and boring, but it's roll up your sleeves and get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was it? Do do not only what makes you happy and fulfilled, but you know. 
what was it? Pick an issue and stick with it and see it through. And I think as you build that kind of career, as you start knocking off, you know, little check marks beside your to-do list. Oh, I fixed this today. And, you know, what was it? And move on to greater things. Um, if you wish to become a leader and um, in, in whatever field you're working on, uh, just remember that it's always having to be done collaboratively. Mm. You know, we have, um, you know, we go back to this politicking and things like that. You know, you don't need to shove somebody down in order to build yourself up. You know, you you create much more success if you're all working together and, you know, to achieve greater goals, you know, you achieve, achieve much bigger things as a stronger team. I completely agree. I mean, especially in today's politics. And uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're, we're, you know, it doesn't happen in Canada. Thank goodness it doesn't happen in the same way, uh, though it still it still does happen. Um, but, you know, I, I really love the, the, the thought of working together as leaders because uh, we just we just need everyone's voice in specific but i mean look at jody wilson right fair enough fair enough and she is my i she is my zone so uh so how do you become involved in all these different things like how, how do you have the time for this i don't sleep and i don't okay, have good. children and you know what that's a that's a tick and a tick for me i un, i understand that where does it start where does it usually start and what advice can you give for others who are looking to get involved in like how do you how do you i don't want to say focus because you're you're doing many things but they all have a similar flavor to them, I might say. Yes. You know, it's about supporting and helping people. I mean, is that, would would that be, I don't want to say defines what your mission is, but would you would you say that, uh, you know, that that's something why you were put on this earth? I think everything that I do is integrated in some way. I mean, there's a lot of overlap um, to all my projects. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what was it? One thing has just naturally evolved to the next and built on the next. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it is that I started to get a really irked with a lot of the band-aids. Um, you know, there's band-aid solutions that patch symptoms, but not causation. And so I started, wanted to start looking at um, systems change. And, um, you know, and so that's how I got, you know, uh, involved with uh, my Simon Fraser uh, project, for instance, which of course led to Zippy Care and everything mm -hmm. else. Um, but it, it addresses the, the actual, need to create sustainable uh, communities where people can be self-reliant and self-sufficient and um, it not be vulnerable to changes in, in government or, you know, or environment or whatever, you know. Carrie, thank you so much for taking part in this today. I was really excited uh, to be speaking to you and, and I think everyone understands why the excitement existed. Um, you know, let me just say from, from all of us, thank you so much. And uh, I hope to continue the conversation uh, and, and witness all the amazing things you're doing as, as, as time progresses. Hey, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I'm assuming you liked this episode. And that's awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please make sure to rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast on Apple Podcasts and also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever the heck you find your podcast from. Afternoon Tea is a brand new podcast. We do have some great guests lined up for our future episodes, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So please do let us know who you'd like to hear from on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at T-T-T, that's three T's, dot studio. 
Notice there's no .com because we're that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us on social media at TTT underscore studios. Have an amazing day.